welcome, welcome everyone to The Enthusiast Life. I am your host, Mark Turcott, and I'm so glad each and every one of you have decided to make me a part of your week. And we got a good one in store this week. Might be a little bit shorter than normal, but first up, we're gonna be talking about Anthem. The game is finally out. I'm gonna give you my full impressions on the full retail release. We're gonna be talking about the surprise retirement of Reggie fils from Nintendo. Yeah, kind of coming out of nowhere. Uh, we also had a new trailer for the Detective Pikachu movie that's coming out this May. And I'm gonna talk a little bit about the Oscars, more just the good from the Oscars and, and not so much the bad, because you know that's what I do here on the show. Well, what's up everybody here? Thank you for tuning in, however you're tuning in. Quick little housekeeping here before we get going. Don't forget, you can follow me personally on Twitter, at Mark Turk, that's M-A-R-K-T-U-R-C. You can follow the show on Twitter, at The Enthuse Life, or email me, theenthuselife at gmail.com. Uh, real quick here at the top, you know, I've been kind of thinking actually recently about maybe starting to put out more episodes per week and maybe a little bit more bite size. I don't know if that's something you guys would be interested in. Hit me on Twitter about that or email me. Um, you know, it, it's kind of like, you know, all these people just do vlog videos, right? What if there was a plog where it's like a, a podcast little log that comes out, you know, like it, with the Oscars, if I just did an episode on Monday after that, just, just specifically talking about the Oscars, that was only like 10 to 15 minutes long. I know a lot of people do like the longer formatted podcast episodes because you get to listen to it on your way to and from work. And it's kind of a, a longer talk show per se. Uh, but something I've been thinking about, I don't know, maybe not sitting down just once a week and doing a long formatted show, maybe just doing multiple shows, kind of like people would make a YouTube video. It's me just sitting down making a short podcast episode. So hit me up. Let me know if you would be interested in that, theenthuselife at gmail.com or on Twitter at Mark Turk. But let's jump into Anthem here. And oh boy, I don't even know where to begin. I remember even saying this here when, when the demo was out, like I don't even know where to begin with Anthem. There's so much to talk about, but Obviously, the reviews and things that are out there, um, the game, you know, it, it's kind of getting raked through the coals <laughs> right now. It's it's really uh, getting beat up, I think, but uh, there is still definitely some good things there, and I honestly, I'm still enjoying the game. I mean, the reviews and all that, throw all that aside. I mean, that, that's so many people just jumping on board early. The, there wasn't a day one patch out per se at that point, so, um, you know, but let's talk about the good first, because I definitely want to talk. There's a lot of good to talk about here. Um, I think the game definitely has a, a big honeymoon phrase, or <laughs> honeymoon phrase, has a long honeymoon phase in it. The initial impression that, that Anthem gives in terms of its gameplay is just incredible. I mean, the game is absolutely gorgeous. The freedom you get as uh, the player in your javelin suit, regardless of whatever javelin you're playing on, is just awesome. There, there really is no other game that gives you so much diversity in terms of the gameplay uh, across its character classes. You think of a game like World of Warcraft, you're still just kind of running straight and doing your, you know, yeah, you get different abilities that are either you're either healing or you're DPSing or tanking, yes, in an MMO, but this game, just the action, maybe that's the way to phrase it. There's no other action game that truly gives you just the diversity between the classes that they, they give you. Um, you know, I mainline have so far been mainlining the, the uh, interceptor really just because I like the speed and the ability to triple jump and quickly, you know, you can dodge three times and the melee, the, the fact that that class focuses so much on the melee, it's just so much fun for me personally. Uh, the storm is, is also a close second. I've been playing as my storm as well. The ability to, uh, hover much longer and then just drop lightning bolts and freeze enemies. It's just so much fun, and and you know I think a lot of people when you go and watch those videos or read the reviews of people who are basically trashing the game, they, they all kind of agree on that. Like the the initial impression that the game gives is a very very good one. It's a lot of fun. It's it's kind of unlike any other action shooter. Yes, I said it. I've seen that kind of coming around this week of people saying a looter shooter, calling them shooters. I hate the word. I'm just going to use it the one time here. But but you, you see a lot of people saying that, 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 you know, when you first start playing the game, there isn't really much out there like it. So I think it's really neat that they've been able to capture that. Um, and like I said, the world is gorgeous. However, playing through the campaign and constantly going back into the missions, the world itself, as as beautiful as it is, definitely is kind of a rinse and repeat across it. So I hope 
and I, I say this, I hope, I hope, I hope, the fact that built into the story of this game, if you're not familiar with it, is there's something called the Anthem. And essentially, there are these machines or the shapers, uh, I guess we're a, a race of people or whatever they are, um, that literally shape the earth, or, or well, this isn't earth, this bastion it's called, that are literally shaping the planet so they can constantly be changing things. And I think that that in the future could be something they could do to change up the environment. So it's not always just lush green rocks, which kind of is weird to say that, but it's literally rocks covered in lush greenery and waterfalls. And you go in some caves, but every cave kind of just looks the same. There's a few times you go into... Um, I guess they're called Shaper Relics. I can't think of the name off the top of my head. But you go into these areas and, I mean, it looks like a, a level out of Mass Effect where it's there's just weird, uh, like, not gas, but just something in the air. And so the the, the when you're looking in a direction, it's kind of distorted. Um, it, it, it has some pretty neat environments, but it just seems like there isn't enough. Um, let's see, what else do I like? I do like the... Um, the combat, like I said, I mean, in terms of the gameplay, I think the combat's good. It does definitely kind of overstay its welcome a little bit, and that could be partly me just playing the Interceptor. You know, it gets to the point after a while where when you're just meleeing nonstop that, uh, you know, it gets a little bit boring. But it, but in terms of just hopping in for a little bit and having a good time, it, it is a hell of a lot of fun. The Interceptor is just so much fun for me to play. Uh, the guns themselves, some of them feel good, some of them don't. The sound design on the guns, though, I absolutely love. I saw a lot of people coming out of the first uh, VIP demo weekend not enjoying, um, I guess, just the way the guns felt. I could somewhat agree with that, per se. Not necessarily it's the guns, it's more just the shooting. Um, at times, doesn't feel right. Uh, however, you know, a lot of the complaints were people just saying they don't feel like they have impact. I think the sound coupled in with just the way the guns kick, I think actually really does feel good. And when you do start getting some of those better weapons, man, they do definitely feel uh, pretty good. So uh, that is something that I like so far. I, I am digging the loot to some extent. Um, you know, sticking on the loot front. Well, actually, hold on. Let's keep going here. Let's talk about all the good. We got to talk about all the good. Uh, in terms of the story of the game, I actually enjoy the story. I know there are some people out there who don't. Um, you know, I think the the idea that some people are saying it's so bland and that it's just not, um, you know, the story you're looking for. I think part of that is because I think a lot of people who are playing this game have been playing Destiny and hell, even let's throw it back to the division. And let's face it, I mean, yes, Destiny 2 brought in some story for people to enjoy. Uh, however, it wasn't exactly as top-notch, and when you sit down in a Bioware game, part of, part of the gameplay of a Bioware game is sitting there and just looking at a character, and they talk to you, and I think a lot of people who play these games maybe haven't experienced that in a while, so the idea of going back into a game and literally having a 10-minute conversation with a character may seem boring to them, but if you actually just take it in and, and go out of your way to talk to the characters... There's definitely some good stories there. So I, I'm, I'm enjoying everything I've gotten. There's a neat little twist, kind of three quarters of the way through the game with one of the one of the main characters that's kind of interesting to me or was interesting to me. And, you know, when I go back to Fort Tarsus, which is kind of their home base or the tower from Destiny, if you want to say, uh, I am actively seeking out characters to see what's up, to see what's new. Um, it definitely, you know, isn't on the same level as a Mass Effect or, you know, we could even say a Dragon Age style story but it is it it's efficient enough i think and it, it definitely has me engaged uh i do th i do think some of the issues though are definitely the fact that the moments in fort tarsus definitely break the action you know the fact that going there and i'm going to talk about this when we're talking about issues requires loading the loading screens in this game are rough you know you you hear it and sure the day one patch shortened them a little bit but they're still way too prevalent and i think being taken out of the action and then th having to wait through the loading screen to get to Fort Tarsus to then talk to the characters to then sit back through a loading screen. I think that's where it just kind of just breaks the immersion. You know, it just it just doesn't feel right. I, and I don't really know what they can do to fix that. Um, but in terms of the story, I dig it. You know, some of the characters are a little meh and some like a lot of the kind of the ancillary characters kind of just on the outside don't really care about them too much. I mean, some of them have some funny little quips and little stories. Uh, but in terms of the main characters, Faye, Halleck, uh, Yarrow, I, Owen, I do enjoy talking to those characters. And they're the ones that are kind of always talking in your ear or that are actually in the cutscenes that you see. Um, 
What else? Uh, well, I mean, let's let's shift gears because you know here I am talking about all the, all the good that I like. Um, let's talk a little bit about some of the bad and things I don't like. Of course, I mentioned the loading screens. The loading screens are a major issue in this game, and anyone who's saying they're not, I'm sorry, you're kind of kidding yourself because it definitely from like for me here here's what what's happened with me with Anthem. Play the VIP demo. Super excited all day long on those days when I couldn't play Anthem. I wanted to play Anthem. The open beta weekend comes out, or open demo, whatever you call it. Same thing. Super excited, even though it's the same stuff. Couldn't wait to play. I got into EA Access, 10 hours. Was excited to play. Not super excited, excited to play. Played. By the end of my 10 hours, I was just kind of going in and more just flying around because it was just kind of fun to fly around. The game's out, and, and now I'm playing it. And I'm enjoying it, but I can't, I'm not finding myself wanting to sit there for hours and play the game. I have no drive right now to drive to the end game. I mean, I'll be honest, here I am talking about kind of my impressions and review. I haven't completed the campaign yet. And and part of that is just because I'm just not, I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm not overly just blown away by it. I, it's like I, I played the demos. I played my, my, I did actually play, I think I had like, it said you had like 30 minutes or 70 minutes, I think it said on my EA Access. Um, I played that and like, I don't want to say that was enough for me, but it, it, it was like the honeymoon phase by the time I got to the full release was gone. And so now I'm just kind of going through the motions and reading about what is actually in the end game for this um, just isn't super exciting for me right now. Um, so, you know, uh, and, and part of that is, like, and, you know, to go back to what I was originally talking about, I don't like is some of those loading screens, you know, sitting through those sucks. I mean, this game has become the best game for me to check Twitter or to check my phone. Like, I mean, it's, it's constantly a, oh, go into a loading screen, pick up my phone. And then you sit there for whatever, 45 seconds or a minute. I mean, I, I calculated, I finished a mission. It took me about seven to eight minutes for me to get back to Fort, like, Finish the mission, get my loot all situated in the forge, go back to Fort Tarsus, turn in that quest to get another quest to go back to my javelin to then go back out to the action. It was like seven or eight minutes. I'm sorry, but that just isn't, it kills everything in this game. It just kills the immersion. I'm all for, listen, I'm all for the not checking your loot and all that out in the field. I think that's a great idea. Um, but, between missions, you got to be able to jump back in. And I know the argument could be made when it comes to Destiny. A lot of times you're flying in orbit and you're looking at your ship and that's there. But you, during that time, you can go in and tool with your your uh, Guardian, which is great. I mean, how many people do that? Everybody does that, right? You're, you're switching your loadouts or just looking at things and, and you know, checking your, your quest logs and all that. Like, that's something that needs to be in there. Now, my question is, is I want to know how much of this, how much of... The loading screens and everything that's in there is due to the fact that EA forces every internal developer to use uh, Frostbite. It's got to be a part of it because everything that we're saying right now, that everything that everybody's complaining about are things that I've been hearing about this game for a long time. Um, I know some people who have played this game early. I know some people who went out multiple times, some of those EA game changers. I had multiple discussions over the last year with them about this game and about these very issues, and nothing has changed. And my guess is not that BioWare didn't want to change any of these things. It's just they they just physically could not change these things in the game because the game is built on Frostbite. And that for that i'm not necessarily going to knock bioware i mean they they obviously have done the best that they can i mean nobody wants to play a game like this or have your game come out after all this work and have this be uh the way that it deploys so i really think that the the need to have this game on frostbite really really hurt the game you know you you sit there and you think like yeah the game is gorgeous and it looks incredible and all that is due to frostbite but it was at the cost of all these other things that these other games Similar to it, Destiny. I mean, Division has its own loading time issues, but once you're loaded in, you're good to go. You know, it, it just, I think it really breaks the game, and I think that that, unfortunately, is going to be kind of the takeaway for many people from this game is just these loading screens, and, and a lot of people don't like the fact you can't change your loot on the fly. Again, I'm fine with it. 
not being available out in the field because I like their response to that. Their response was, we don't have it out in the field because we want you playing the game, not looking at your inventory. And not even just you, when you're playing with other players, we don't want you having to wait for these other players to come and... Uh, you know, you just got to stand there basically and wait for the other people to come to your, to your aid because they're in there switching their sniper to their machine pistol or whatever it is. I get that. I think that's a cool idea, but Hey, is what it is. The game is kind of just going to be stuck in the state that it is. Uh, let's talk about loot. Uh, you know, loot in the game, obviously in these games is a very, very big deal. You need to have things to chase and the way Anthem works, (laughs) it's kind of, it's kind of weird is uh, pretty much your your grind up to level 30 or to end game is just about uh, different versions or, or different versions, higher level versions of any of the abilities essentially that you can have dropping. Now, when they drop of higher uh, quality, so your legendary, epics, masterworks, all that, they have the ability to have, well, they will have always, but kind of like random rolled extra stats on there. So that's really where the end game of this game comes in is getting these components and all these strike system abilities and all that that have these other little added stats to basically maximize your build so that you can play the game on the higher difficulty, the Grandmaster 3, or 1, 2, and 3, essentially, um, to just get more loot. And the grind through the game itself, you are getting higher level loot, and it does feel good, you know, getting getting the higher abilities or the stronger abilities in that. Um, and personally because i play a character that doesn't use weapons so much i have not been affected so much by that but you know when i look at the guns and that i'm really just equipping whatever's a higher level right now i'm not really equipping anything that um you know i I like oh i got this awesome sniper i'm gonna keep it because once you get a little bit higher level you want to be equipping another weapon that is just a higher level than that. And I know I, this is all sounding confusing to you, I know, and it's really not when, when you kind of dive into it. But I do, I do like the way that they work it where if you find a gun that you like, you can continue to use that gun. And doing that will complete a challenge. And a challenge in the game is basically like, hey, get 100 kills with this weapon. By doing that, you get like a blue level or a green level blueprint for it. Craft, and then you can craft it. So you craft it with like one random roll on it, and then you keep using that, you get get 200 kills with it. Then you get like a blue level crafting blueprint to then craft it, and and then of course, obviously you gotta get crafting parts, and part of that could be breaking down epic or legendary weapons to then get those components so that you can craft it. So I think that's really neat. So you can pretty much create any weapon you want. Now, a lot of people are approaching it like Destiny or Diablo, where it's just all about the loot just dropping out of nowhere and that's not really what this game is you are getting loot and believe me they shower you with loot but more than half of it is going to be garbage and in the end it's just like hey let me find the weapon that i want and i'm going to play with it and level it up i think that's cool that's how a lot of these games work um a la monster hunter like that's what i keep saying this game is monster hunter that is what it is it's about getting crafting components to craft that perfect build um but you know the the uh, I, the the complaint that the weapons really don't th- that there's not enough loot. I think you know the biggest argument right now for that is there was a period on Friday. It was like late third or early th- or late Thursday night into early Friday. They released that day one patch, the patch that came out um, that pretty much fixed the game at that point. Or I say fixed, but did a lot took care of a lot of the issues a lot of the early access people had. Um, within that, they increased the drop rates of loot. So suddenly people were getting tons of masterworks, which the masterworks are almost like um, the exotic weapons in Destiny. You know, they still look pretty generic. They have different like paint jobs on them, but they do have some cool abilities. And, and at that point, you're getting like four random roll type rolls on them. So it's like crazy stuff on these weapons. So really, and, and sadly, and I'm quick aside here, the sad part about that is, Though you don't get any vision or, or any, you don't see any of those weapons till late in the game. Half the time you're done with the campaign. So players like that are just taking their time and having, you know, like, oh, this game's okay, never get to see that. And that's where the game truly gets fun for a lot of folks is when those weapons start to drop. But anyways, you, you they had these drop rates of these weapons where people were getting like three, four drops of these, just finding them out in the open world. Everybody's like, oh my God, this is great. We're getting all this loot. People were so excited. And then suddenly it stopped. And come to find out over on on Twitter, Bioware confirmed that that was an error on their part, that the loop should not have been dropping that much. And they went in and stealth fixed it and brought it back to where it was. And like that, 
the fact that so many people were having a blast with the loot dropping like that shows you that they need to go back to that. They need to have weapons like that dropping. Because, you know, the game itself, man, when it, when it boils down to it, you're doing the same things just over and over and over again, which is something I was going to talk about in a minute. But, I mean, we just got to talk about it now because ultimately... Any, any game can be boiled down to that, right? But in the end, Anthem, you're either defending a, a, a point or you're delivering orbs slash little boxes slash relics to a point. And there's like six or eight of them and you got to go get them and bring them back. I mean, literally, that's all you do in this game repeatedly, which would be fine if the process of doing those things varied up a lot and to vary it that's when you pull in these masterworks and say you know what this time i'm gonna go out where i shoot these guys and they explode and then the next time i shoot these guys and it shoots out lightning to everybody around them like that's cool that's why you play diablo diablo is literally the same thing over and over they just yeah sure they give you a different um tile set or you know uh setting that you're in but you're still just you know clicking and murdering monsters over and over but it's the loot that you find that changes up how you do it and unfortunately in anthem the loot really doesn't change it up enough and because really your abilities are just the same almost every time even though yeah each javelin has different abilities it gets to be a bit boring and i think that for me is why right now when i play the game i only play for like an hour or an hour and a half that's why i said like i don't feel like i can sit down and play this game for hours because in the end i'm just doing the same thing with the same weapons i have like nothing is really engaging every time i play so i think that if they were able to tune this loot this loot drop rate back to that where you're getting these just awesome pieces of loot I think a lot of people would be sticking around much longer, and even myself included. I would I would sit there and probably play for three, four hours because it's like, man, I could play for an hour and a half with this, and oh my god, look at this new weapon I got. Got to go out and use it, and then I'm back out in the field doing the same thing again, but still having fun with that weapon. And you know, you look at games like Diablo three went through the same thing. I mean, I saw this week so many people putting up the picture from GDC when Diablo did that. Even Destiny did that. They started draining the loot. When you crank up loot, people love it. I mean, that's why ultimately, that's why people love Borderlands, specifically Borderlands 2, because you were just getting crazy loot that every time you got a new drop changed the way you played the game. And Anthem needs that bad. It really, really does. Um, Because what's there right now is kind of shallow in terms of the gameplay and it's, it's funny i mean right here i am talking about this game kind of in a negative light although you know i do want to again point out i'm having fun with the game i do actually enjoy anthem i'm glad i purchased anthem i'm gonna continue to be playing anthem here for the next few weeks if not even months you know checking in here every once in a while once i kind of get to the end game um but you know it's not it's not replacing or or creating the hobby that destiny did for me which i think many people were hoping it was and i was even hoping it was for myself um so i don't want people to come away from this of me being just negative like everybody else out there being negative i mean what i'm bringing to the table is really criticisms and telling you why i'm not as engaged i think in this game as i either thought i would be or or maybe why some other people are i mean some other people hey you're enjoying it great have a blast um i mean I, like i said i'm having a blast playing it as well at times, but I can definitely see the faults that are there. Um, I honestly have not really played with my buddies so much to say. Um, and part of that is because the way the game is structured, it just, I, I want to play the story and, and constantly having to go to the loading screens and then go back to Fort Tarsus. And you know, where you could say, all right, everybody be quiet. Don't talk right now. I didn't want to do that. I wanted to focus more on just me being able to focus on the story and that. So, um, you know, once I get through the story, we're going to jump in there definitely with the friends and have some fun. Um, but, but you know, as of right now, I have it. And I know in terms of the enjoyment and fun of the game, not playing with your friends definitely does take away from it a little bit. So I know that argument is definitely there for people saying, hey, you got to play with your friends and have fun. Uh, but I, I want to take in the story, man. I want to hear everybody in Fort Tarsus. I don't want to hear... Somebody talking about the gun they got, <laughs> you know, although I guess by that point, by the time I actually got to Fort Tarsus, they would have been talking about it for two or three minutes. So we wouldn't have to worry about that anyways. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think overall the game will be fine. Well, we're going to talk about something else that maybe won't here in a minute. But I, I think if if Bioware is allowed to continue to work on the game, I think they will definitely put some systems in that will improve the game. I think if they're able to deliver some story content here 
over these next three months, which they did give a 90-day roadmap. There are definitely events coming to the game. Um, you know, there may be a way for them to at least win back some of those people that have fallen off. Uh, I think they definitely need to crank up the loot because that's something that, you know, at first you're getting all these loot drops. You're like, man, look at this, look at this, look at this. But again, in the grand scheme of things, those weapons really aren't doing much until you get to those masterwork weapons dropping. Anything else along the way really isn't that great. And even, you know, again, I haven't gotten to the complete end game yet, but people saying Grandmaster 3 compared to Grandmaster 1 you're better off just running Grandmaster One multiple times because you're in the end it's 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 not as uh, difficult. You can run it much faster. Um, so I don't know. We'll see kind of where where the end game of it all plays out. Um, and when I just said you know if Bioware is allowed to fix it, um, obviously this game's been in development for a long time. I think it's six years is what's being reported. Um, EA I'm sure wants to. Make sure this game isn't a failure. Bioware clearly doesn't want it to be a failure. I mean, they want to push as much to it as they as they can. It is a live game. So unlike a game like Mass Effect Andromeda, which Bioware just basically abandoned, uh, kind of at the urge of EA, just because it didn't sell as well as they wanted, and just the reception to it, um, this is a game that is it's built to be updated, right? That is how these games as a service, these live games work. Uh, however mentioning EA basically making Bioware just ditch Andromeda. Early sale and the sales numbers on Anthem do have myself and many other people just a little bit worried. So we're, we're getting reports that the physical copies, now this is just physical copies. Now we do live in a world where people are more apt to download digitally, myself included. I don't buy really physical copies of games anymore. But uh, we found out that Anthem has sold uh, not that good. And the UK and generally the UK numbers come out first for pretty much any game and they're always an indicator of worldwide sales pretty much um, but here's the stats and this is kind of kind of shocking Anthem has sold half of what Mass Effect Andromeda has sold and a tenth of Destiny 2 just just prior to that that's terrible when you think about it like that's really really bad I mean it is a new IP so you got to kind of take it with a grain of salt but still, like that is just not a good number to hear, especially Mass Effect Andromeda, and especially that it's being just as torn apart review-wise as Andromeda was. Um, you know, I'm I'm worried, man. And and again, I'm saying it's a game of service, and EA should should be looking at continuing to make the game better. But in the same sense, what three weeks ago they released Apex Legends for free, and that game is just has just exploded and a couple lessons from that EA should learn number one you, you allowed one of your best developers to make a game not on the frostbite engine in the game people are loving it let other people other studios do the same thing they don't need to make your game on frostbite apex legends looks great on the engine that it runs it's a what a, a version of the source engine great let other people do that. Like you don't need to have everything in frostbite. It looks good enough and plays great. Um, but then I think the other thing that they're going to take away from that is, hey, we put out this free-to-play game, and it's doing gangbusters. Why don't we just put everybody on that and then just bring everybody over to continue working on Dragon Age? Dragon Age. I mean, that's kind of my fear. Is EA just says, hey, we make a ton of money on our sports games. We make we now potentially, and I'm sure they're going to make a ton of money on Apex Legends. Let's just focus all the Bioware team on Dragon Age. Make sure that game does not fail. That game, Look, we've been saying for a long time that certain studios can't fail and everything was being thrown on Anthem. You know, you can look at the Andromeda debacle. We can look at where Anthem is right now. I'm sorry, but everything in terms of the future of Bioware now really, really relies on Dragon Age hitting. That game cannot fail. That game cannot come out in a state like this or a state like Andromeda, they need to make it work. And unfortunately with EA at the helm, man, I, I don't know. That, and that's why I'm concerned. Uh, honestly, it's why I'm concerned about kind of just the future of Anthem is because knowing EA at the helm is at the helm, if they see they can make money somewhere else rather than in a certain spot, they'll just move on. And, you know, you look at things that they've done to other studios out there. Look what they did to Criterion. Look what they did to Visceral, you know, the Dead Space team. Those teams don't really exist anymore. And part of that is because they've put out games that kind of flopped and they either dissolve those studios and move them elsewhere or they just straight up shut them down. And 
a shutdown of Bioware would just be bananas if you think about it. But when you look at the track record over these last two games, it's been a bit rough. And again, I, 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 you, I mean, you could even put the frostbite issues, I think, even on Andromeda. That game should not have been built on frostbite. It had its issues and they were forced to do it. And it led to all the facial memes and all that stuff out there. I don't know. That's my two cents. Uh, in the end, I think Anthem is a fun game. Um, it's not creating a new hobby for me like I thought maybe it was going to. Um, and, you know, for some people it may have, but seeing so many people already in the end game, already with max level javelins after 20, 30 hours, I don't know what you do next. And I think really seeing what's coming down the pipeline on that 90 day uh, roadmap that they put out. Could be interesting, but it depends on what those events are. If those events are just giants out in the world or, you know, bring three relics to a point to spawn a giant, that's not going to be enough. And on top of that, talking about loot, it boggles my mind. One thing I think that would easily fix this, we're talking about loot and the guns maybe not feeling as, as good as they should. How is there not like 30, 40 armor sets out there? And when I say that, like, why is there not... A specific helmet for the tyrant mine one of the strongholds in the game why is there not like a full armor set for the interceptor for the storm that you just it forces you to keep rerunning to get that armor set like that to me is completely boggled my mind you will literally and this is no joke you will literally look exactly the same at the end of the campaign or even at level 30 than you did at level one the only thing that changes is your wear state you can be shinier or more metallic and then of course your paint scheme if you change your paint scheme other than that there's literally two armor sets in the game. There's a third if you got the Legion of Dawn one, and then they're just selling some. That to me is crazy because I, I, I just, when I play these games, I want to look cool, especially in a game where it's third person. You can see your character the whole time. That's why I like Paragon. I spent over a hundred, almost $200 on Paragon because I you look at your character the whole time. You want to look cool. I, I don't get that. So they need to add that. Now they are adding, they did say they are adding vanity chests to the strongholds. System's a little bit weird how they're doing it with these keys and things like that. Um, and all that's really going to give you is like vinyls. It's not actually giving you armor sets. We need new helmets. We need new legs. We need new torsos. We need all that. We need new capes for storms. Give us those things. New blades for the interceptor, man. If there was like 20 some odd blades, even though they don't do any different damage, they're just cosmetic. Maybe one is a sword. One is like ninja size. Like that stuff would be great. Put that in the game, Bioware. Please get on that now. They need to be working on that. I, that just It's crazy to me that in a looter shooter, they didn't, they didn't do that. You just look the same. It's crazy. I, I don't... It's weird. So, as you can tell, my honeymoon phase with Anthem is, is kind of gone. It only lasted a little bit. But I, I do see the potential for this game. I think what is there, the core of the game, the gameplay is fun and it definitely could be expanded on if there was a little bit more around it i think this game could definitely be a huge success i just i hope they're given the chance to do it uh, but the, kind of the the major underlying issues like the loading screens and that i don't know if they're going to be able to fix it unfortunately so we'll see and you know i'll be honest that's going to be the last time i think i'm going to talk about anthem here on the show because it's funny like i started the enthusiast life right when that first one came out it seems like not that we've talked about it every week but it's come up to some extent like when i talked about the division two and saying well i'm so much more excited for anthem guys i'll be honest man i, I know i kind of talked about the division two and how i felt like my feet were stuck in the mud and, and all that and, and i've had my issues i'm giving it another go this weekend for the open open beta and part of that was driven by just my lukewarm reception of anthem like i i'm i'm gonna give it another go and see if i have a better time this weekend you know when you look at what they're putting out for the division two god there's so much content that's going to be coming out it looks like it's just going to be a blast to play so many things to chase so many things to do i i think i might be jumping in so i'm going to give it another go this weekend give it which is crazy here's anthem i should be leveling my character i'm excited to play the division two this weekend that should tell you something right there uh, all right well, some of your thoughts. I want to know your thoughts on Anthem. Are you enjoying it? Are you are you are you in? Are you full on in? Are you kind of like me, where it's like, yeah, I'm having fun. It's just another game here that came out 2019, just rolling rolling with it. That's kind of where I'm at. Like, there's there's always games like, here's a, here's an example. I didn't buy it yet. I'm probably gonna get it here when we get a little bit of a lull. Far Cry New Dawn, looks cool, right? I want to play it. I like the Far Cry series. I'll probably get it. Chances are, probably won't ever finish it, but I'll have a good time with it, and then I'll move on to whatever comes out next. 
that's kind of where I am with Anthem. It's fun. It's just another game, playing it, having a good time, doing my thing with it, you know, checking in here, playing, playing, moving on when the next thing comes out. That's where I am. And, and I didn't expect that at all. I thought this was going to be the new hobby. And, and unfortunately for me, it isn't that. It's it's the newest, latest, best right now. But I'll probably be moving on after that. Uh, all right. Let's see what else we got this week. Uh, we have this surprise announcement, guys. This, this one killed me. You know I'm a huge Nintendo fan. And for Reggie fils me, the president of Nintendo of America, announcing his retirement, it hit me. I, I actually watched this video probably like seven or eight times. Like Reggie was a huge face for, was for Nintendo. I mean, when I think back to me doing this pod, this, not this podcast, but just podcasting, um, you know, I go back to, what was it, two, summer of 2007, or, no, 2008. Like, Reggie was the guy. Like, he was the guy for Nintendo all in the Wii era. And I remember even before podcasting, seeing the Wii and, and all the videos and all that. Reggie was the man. I remember when he took over uh, as president of, of Nintendo of North America. And just him being up on stage talking about how he was there to kick ass and take names. And it was just something we've never seen, um, specifically from Nintendo, but just in general, of, of a video game uh, head up there talking like that. And I think immediately people just became just, you know, uh, lo- to the fact where they just love the guy. You know, he's just an awesome, awesome leader uh, for Nintendo. And obviously through the years, seeing his interactions with um, Satoru Iwata and, um, you know, it, it just everything about him was awesome. He was the perfect man to be the head of Nintendo through the, the Wii, the 3DS going to say the Wii U and even where we are with the Switch. I mean, he was just, he's awesome. Now, personally, uh, I went to six E3s. Uh, my last E3, I was there actually as a in a, as a helper, let's say, out on the floor. I, I worked uh, with Bungie and showed off Destiny. That was back in, uh, that would have been, what, 2014, I think that would have been. Uh, it was when we were showing the Crucible, so I was literally there working with Bungie. So prior to that, the first five, I was there as media. So I would go to all the press conferences. So I went to every Nintendo press conference those years. I was there when they announced the 3DS. was there when they announced the Wii U. was there when Skyward Sword was uh, shown. And and uh, what's his name? Um, uh, I can't believe I can't think of his name right now. Uh, but, you know, when they were having issues up on stage and all that, I was there. For Miyamoto. <laughs> I can't believe I could think of Miyamoto. When uh, Miyamoto... Had issues with the uh, Joy Cons, or I say Joy Cons, with the Wiimotes, uh, showing off the sword. I was there for all that, and we were always sitting pretty close because we'd get there early and always push up to the front because Nintendo was the one that I had to see, I had to be at. Um, so I saw Reggie multiple times talk on stage, and he was a just a, a great presenter, great leader. Um, you know, he it always seemed like Reggie was. He was a gamer, even though he, you know he was a business guy. He seemed like he was a gamer and truly cared about the gamers. Um, twice in my life, I actually, um, uh, I guess kind of interacted with him, if you want to say, uh, the best one was uh, when you go to E3 as, as press, there's kind of an upstairs area that's just for media. And, uh, we're walking down the hallway to our next appointment. Cause a lot of your appointments when you're there are actually upstairs and we're walking and I could see, you could just see down this long hallway, this large man coming at you. And, you know, there's that moment when I realized who he was. I was like, oh, man, do I stop? Do I say something? But I'm like, no, because I'm there as press. I'm there as a media. You know, I'm supposed to be on his level. I'm supposed to be cool. And we kind of had that walk by. And he had two people with him kind of flanking him on each side, which why Reggie would need security or anything. God knows. I mean, right. The guy could just probably stomp you on top of your head and pound you in the ground like a Goomba. Um, But, uh, you know, he goes walking by and I I just kind of made eye contact. He, He smiled at me and just said, how you doing, man? It didn't even, you know, it was just one of those things that it just, just in passing, just walking. But for me, that was just awesome. The president of Nintendo asking me how I was doing. I know it's so stupid and so silly, but it was just one of those moments where it was just, ah. And then another one, I was going on the show floor into a restroom and he was walking out and it was just kind of one of those moments where it was like, you know, you walk in a lot of times when you go in the bathroom, nobody's making eye contact, nobody's looking. I just happened to kind of look up and then see him. I was like, oh shit, like that was, that was Reggie. Like, man, that was crazy. So it's kind of my two little Reggie uh, encounters throughout the years. But um, again, both just in passing, never actually got to speak to him. Um, but, you know, it was sad. I'm sad to see him go. He definitely was just a, a perfect face for Nintendo. And, um, you know, I like that he, the video they put out, it's not too often, especially in this industry, that um, people are able to do that, to say goodbye 
in the way that they want to. And in the two and a half or three minute video, whatever it is, uh, I thought was great. It's it's literally him just saying thank you, everyone, and they're going back through all the funny, silly moments from the puppets to the Mario Odyssey release to where he took his sunglasses off and had the the red glaring eyes to him on stage. He even mentions that his body is ready, you know, for retirement. So cool, so great. I love it. I absolutely just thought uh, they did it in a great way, and I'm glad he was able to get a send-off like that. And it's been awesome throughout this week seeing so many people um, talking about just him and the impact they made on him kind of in the industry. So, Reggie, thank you for everything you've done. I know you're not listening to this, but thank you for everything you've done. And, um, you know, I can't believe you let Bowser take over. That's right. If you have not heard this, the new guy taking taking his, his uh, place is Doug Bowser. And that's not a joke. The guy's name is literally Doug Bowser. I think he started with the company back in 2015. I remember when he came into the company, everybody was like, oh no, Bowser's here. Uh, but yes, the head of Nintendo, his last name is Bowser, which is just bananas if you think about it. But I think that's uh, that's pretty neat. So it'd be interesting to see when he does his first kind of appearance, uh, where, where uh, the, kind of the direction he's going to take the company in, because he definitely has some big shoes to fill, both uh, literally and, and figuratively. So Let's see what we got. Uh, actually, we're running a little bit long here. I thought this was going to be a short episode, but it's uh, it's not. We're already over 40 minutes here doing this. Uh, sorry, too. I'm, like I said, I've been finding a cold. So if I'm sounding a little bit stuffy as this show goes on, I'm just I'm getting congested here and trying to get through this here. Um, let's talk about this new Detective Pikachu trailer. I got to be honest, man. When, when I first heard they were making this movie, I'm like, what? Like... Detective Pikachu, I knew the game came out in Japan and it's out here now in the States and it's just like, eh, is it really going to be good, a live action Pokemon movie? That sounds weird. The first trailer, watched it. I was like, oh, that looks like it's going to be cool. After watching this second trailer, I got to be honest, this is like my one of my most anticipated movies this year. I think I was trying to think of what movies I'm excited for. Obviously, Star Wars, Episode Nine. Uh, obviously, Endgame, you know, Avengers Endgame. I'm going to throw in Captain Marvel here in a few weeks, which we'll be talking about, obviously, here on the show. Um, Spider-Man. And then I think Detective Pikachu is right behind it. This movie looks incredible. Like, it looks to be like the the Pikachu or the, the Pokemon movie that everyone has always wanted. Like, I can't see anything wrong in this movie. I mean, at first, I was a little off-put by Ryan Reynolds being the voice of Pikachu. But now, seeing this trailer... I think it's going to work. He's just going to be this little annoying, nagging character that's in the game. And I think it's going to work so well. We get a little bit more story bit from this trailer. We see that he um, kind of just wakes up with amnesia, doesn't know what happened. He looks inside his hat, sees the name of some guy named Harry, and it just becomes with an address. And it just becomes his mission to find Harry because Harry must be in trouble. I think it looks so great. I mean, even the they showed some more characters uh, our characters, but some more Pokemon we haven't seen before. We get to see Cubone, we see Snorlax, we see an Eevee. My kids were, my son was freaking out when he saw Eevee. Um, and then, of course, Mewtwo is in this trailer, just wreaking havoc on a giant inflatable Pikachu. Uh, we get a moment that I thought was awesome that I think is actually going to show that the tone is going to be a little bit more adult or PG than people I think thought it was. Um, Pikachu's getting ready to go out and fight. Looks like he's going to fight uh, Charizard. And he's kind of warming up, getting ready. In the, the, I don't know who the main character is. I think they mentioned his name. But he says, you know, like, you're sure? You all right? You, you're going to be okay? And he's like, yep, I got this. I got this. And then when the Charizard comes out, he runs over the fence. And he's just like, get me the hell out of here. The fact that they're saying hell in a Pokemon movie that's really meant for little kids, I think is awesome. So it, this movie is not really being built for just children. It is going to be kind of that blur the line type movie. I'm interested to see if it actually hits a PG or if they even go PG 13. I mean, I, I would, I would guess they're going to try to keep it as PG as they can. Um, but I think it really looks great. I think it's going to be just a fun, fun movie, uh, overall for families. My, I'm in, my kids are in, um, yeah, it, it just looks like they nailed it. I mean, uh, God, I don't even know what else to say about it. I mean, the movie's not out yet. We, I mean, I don't even want to sit here and dissect this trailer apart. Uh, just just go watch it if you haven't seen it. I'll link it down in the show notes. It is definitely a must-see trailer um, because they, they, they've they captured the world of Pokemon in just about every way possible. It's, you know, you think about video game movies in the past and the one that always comes to everyone's mind that was just absolutely terrible is the Mario Brothers movie. I remember as a kid going out to see that movie and there was just nothing in that movie that had anything to do with Mario other than there was a guy named Koopa and... 
uh, Mario and Luigi wore red and green overalls. Like that was the extent of, or you know, red and green shirts with the overalls. I mean, that was the extent of Mario Brothers. It had nothing to do with Mario Brothers. Everything in this trailer from the Pokemon, from even the way the vehicles look, like the little cars, to the Pokemon Center, to the, the Pokemon Stadium, everything looks like it's a love letter to Pokemon fans. And I think that's just awesome. Absolutely awesome. Um, speaking of love letters to fans, I do want to mention here, if you haven't seen yet, uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse is out now on digital. That, my friends, is a love letter to comic book fans, not just to Spider-Man fans or fans of the Miles Morales Spider-Man. The movie is incredible. It's out now. I highly recommend you go check it out. Uh, maybe at some point here, I'm actually, I meant, as, after I'm done recording this, I may actually go purchase it digitally. Um, when I give it a rewatch, uh, maybe we'll talk about it a little bit more here on the show because it, it's just awesome. I know a lot of people kind of saw the trailer a little off put by the fact that it kind of had this multiverse thing going on and was just like, I don't know if that's really not for me. Uh, trust me, it's great. The movie is just awesome. There's so many little things that you're going to see in it. And the more you watch it, the more of these little tiny things you're going to see. Um, you won't be disappointed. Definitely recommend it. If you haven't seen it, go check it out. And I bring it up now because, like I said, I want to talk before we wrap up the show here a little bit just about some of the Oscars and some of the thing, takeaways and what I enjoyed about it. Um, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse actually won Best Animated Feature, which, yes, there was no way that it shouldn't have won. When this, My wife and I, we watch the Oscars every year because we enjoy the pageantry of it and you know just kind of seeing everybody up on stage. And like many of you, probably haven't even seen half the movies that are nominated. But when this category came up, I said to my wife, guaranteed Spider-Man's going to win. She's just like, yeah, right. Because she didn't go see it with me. It was just me and my daughter that went. And she's like, there's no way that's going to win against like the Incredibles or whatever. Sure enough, it won. I mean, I, I would love to have seen the voting. It probably blew away all the other films. Yes, Incredibles 2 was cool and great. Yes, Ralph Breaks the Internet was fun and exciting. But Spider-Man and in the Spider-Verse, the animation of it was amazing. And I'm going to say this, the cinematography of it was incredible. The story, the underlying story of the whole thing of a father and son is just awesome. It's great. I mean, it even even just the fact of it breaking ground kind of like Black Panther did this year in terms of just the way that it presents race is just, it's awesome. It is such a great movie. Go Whatever you got to do. I mean, it's on digital right now. It's going to be out, what, probably two or three weeks in, on Redbox or whatever. Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Go see that movie. Um, some of the other takeaways, I mean, I loved seeing uh, Rami Malek win uh, for Best Actor in uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. That definitely was one of my favorite movies of the year. He was just incredible as Freddie Mercury. I actually forgot in his speech when he mentioned something about not being their first choice. It was originally, Sasha Baron Cohen was originally going to play Freddie Mercury, which now that you hear that, if you had never known that, yes, he would have worked, right? But I wonder if it would have turned out as well, because Rami Malek was just perfect, the perfect person um, to play Freddie Mercury. It was just, just awesome. Uh, in terms of original song, I think the fact, of course, a shallow one by uh, Lady Gaga um, and uh, Bradley Cooper, of course, their performance was pretty stunning. Um, to see it was just awesome I and mean, Bradley Cooper singing he proved that he's got the pipes that he can do it uh, I thought that was really neat um, it, it was just I think overall just like a good night you know to see Black Panther win multiple awards um, kind of throughout the night you know of course didn't win best picture which um, Green Book did I'm not really going to go into the Green Book controversy because I've never I haven't seen the movie so I don't really know much about kind of the, the representation of um, just racism in that movie and how they approach it. But that seems to be a lot of the criticisms um, that people have had kind of is here. You have this night where it's such a great night of, of, you know, just racial equality and all these people winning. I mean, Spike Lee winning for best adapted screenplay was his first win ever. Just incredible to then kind of have it be at the end green book winning. Um, you know, I, again, I don't know. I've never seen, I haven't seen the movie and uh, you know, that's not, I'm not really into diving into controversies like that here on the show. Um, but, uh, Spike Lee, like I said, Spike Lee winning was awesome. Spike Lee's post show press conference was awesome. If you haven't seen that, it's like, he, I think he just starts the thing by saying, yep, I'm six drinks in, let's go. Like basically <laughs> getting out there, which was just hilarious to see. Um, I think the Oscars was, it was fun this year. You know, it was a, it was a great show. You know, they did, they did it without a host too. This was the first time they've done that. 
Uh, and I think it worked great. The show flowed perfect. Um, you never really miss somebody. I mean, really, if you think about it, when they have a host, they just have to have that person. They have to create reasons for that person to come out to introduce other people. In this case, rather than that, it was just like, let's just have people introduce the things, um, which I thought was kind of neat. And the way they did every movie, every best picture, they had somebody kind of related to that film or, or to some extent come out to talk about it. So when they, they introduced Bohemian Rhapsody, they had uh, Mike Myers and Dana Carvey come out from Wayne's World because Bohemian Rhapsody, the song, played such a major role in the success of that movie. So it was just kind of neat. You know, they did things like that. Um, but, uh, you know, we, we love the Oscars. I mean, again, you know, you can say award shows, what the hell do they mean? It's just opinions and that. Um, but there are some, I think, that are staples that are at least um, still looked upon as being that thing to chase. And I think, you know, it wasn't any more evident than when Lady Gaga won for original score. And I mean, she was literally beside herself. And, you know, she's she's an artist that a lot of people look back on and, you know, from her early days and sure she's up there dancing and she's still very flamboyant and, and does crazy things and that. Um, but in terms of talent, I mean, she is just incredible. You know, she's a, an, an amazing composer. She can sing well. She's a great pianist. She plays the piano like it's put her behind a piano and, and a microphone. She's she's just incredible. Um, so, and the fact that she even won the, the Golden Globe was something that, you know, it wasn't a surprise that, that they won the Oscar, but she was just beside herself, like just brought to almost hysterical tears. It, it was just awesome to see. So the Oscars, like I said, it is, it is still that award that everybody wants, that everybody chases if you're in the field of acting and, um, you know, kudos to all the winners and, uh, Hey, you know, kudos to them for putting together what I, what I thought overall was, was a good show. Um, again, I know there is some controversy around some of the people that won or some of the things that won, we should say, but, uh, I, I thought it was, it was fun to watch. It was, it was neat to kind of be a part of, I, I stayed awake the whole time. I actually didn't fall asleep. Usually I fall asleep about midway through and either find out who won best picture the next day or wake up like just in time. But I stayed awake the whole time. I, I definitely enjoyed it. So, all right, well, let's wrap it up there, guys. It is a little bit shorter, right? We're not necessarily going to hit an hour. Uh, but uh, yeah, let me know. Like I said in the top of the show, let me know if you're thinking maybe shorter episodes or do you like kind of this longer format? Like what if I did this show, what we just did, but it was like four quick episodes hitting your feed multiple times a week. Would you like that? I don't know. It's something I'm just kind of thinking about. I've just been kind of thinking about just here what I'm what I'm doing with this show overall. Um, next week, we're definitely going to be talking about, uh, actually here in a few hours, there's going to be a new Nintendo Direct, a Pokemon specific direct so here we were talking about Detective Pikachu there is a Pokemon direct happening rumors are flying we're gonna finally get the reveal of that switch Pokemon game we will see um, so hopefully we'll be talking about that next week gonna be talking again about the division 2 I am gonna be playing that this weekend I do want to give some more impressions on that um, and uh, other than that I think that's about it that I can see foreseeable that's gonna be on the next episode uh, but again, email me, theenthuselife at gmail.com. You can email me personally, or email me, text, tweet at me. <laughs> tweet me at Mark Turk, that's M-A-R-K-T-U-R-C. Or you can follow the show on Twitter at The Enthuse Life. So everybody, thank you here as always for tuning in and making me a part of your week. However you're tuning in, whether it's through Podbean, through iTunes, or your podcast service of choice. Thank you so much. And with that, we'll catch you next time. Later. Later.